Welcome to BDO Talks ERISA, a monthly podcast from BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. Each month, we will be talking best practices around all things ERISA, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of ERISA's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's ERISA Services Group and the insights we share through the ERISA Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to another podcast for BDO Talks ERISA. I'm Beth Garner, National Practice Leader for our Employee Benefit Plan Audit Group and a partner at BDO. We are excited to have you join us today. This podcast is an extension of the services that we offer through our BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. We developed the podcast to expand on topics and issues that we bring to you through our social media postings on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook, and our quarterly ERISA Roundup. As we've previously explained, the goal of our Center of Excellence is to truly help any plan sponsor and anyone charged with governance of their retirement plan with up-to-date information on what is going on in the industry. We know these professionals wear many hats within their organization, and our Center of Excellence can be a place to quickly get up-to-date information to help them with their responsibilities. Joining me today on the podcast is one of my co-hosts, Joanne Zupka. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for having me once again, Beth. Sounds like we're going to have a great topic today. Of course. So today we have Margaret McDaniel with us today. She is a licensed clinical social worker. Social worker. And um, I'm going to let her introduce herself. You did hear her voice and uh, trying to get it right. Um, She is, before we get started, a very good friend of mine, and I did um, message her and say, we really need your expertise on this podcast. I know what you do for a living. I'm not exactly sure of the official title, but I know you have a bunch of initials behind your name, and you are qualified to talk about this topic. When I graduated with my master's, my dad told me that as long as I'd been in school, I should be able to write prescriptions, and I said, but I have letters after my name. (laughs) So, yeah, I have my letter. So I am a licensed clinical social worker. I um, have a master's degree in social work and then three years post-clinical experience after that. I started my career in juvenile justice as a probation officer working with families and joined a private practice. I've been there for 12 years, see a, a little bit of everything and a wide range, a wide range of um, ages and issues. So Certainly on the topic of mental health, I have some experience with that, and I'm glad to, to share with everybody some things I've learned over the years. Okay, so um, as we have said um, on all of our podcasts, you obviously have introduced yourself, but now you have to share something personal about yourself that, you know, we, you think the audience would like to know. I don't know if they'd like to know it, but it's something I'm very proud of. Um, As a contract employee for the hospital here, they have a gym and I kept being told I could start exercising and I didn't want to because I'm scared and don't know how to use the machines and have no balance and thought I'd fall on my face and I bit the bullet and I've had three workouts and I'm very proud of myself. I am proud of you. That's awesome. Stepping outside of my comfort zone. Amen. I like it. So many of you right now might be thinking, okay, wait a minute. This is a podcast about ERISA and we have a social worker on here. Um, Don't go anywhere. You're absolutely in the right place. Um, If you 
remember my intro. We know that benefit professionals have broader responsibilities, more than just their retirement plans. So as a group, we read and stay up on the hot topics of, of the HR industry as a whole, and employee mental health is staying in those headlines constantly. So just this morning, I was reading an article from Harvard Business Review. The title was, The Most Pressing People Questions Facing Companies Today. So guess what was one of the topics? I think there was like five topics, but one of them was, how are you helping ensure employee mental health? So this article pointed out that over the past 25 years, mental illness has risen dramatically, and this is worldwide. Um, I don't know if we're talking more about mental health or are we recognizing these issues more or, you know what, is it both? So, Margaret, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, simply put, um, yes, it is both. Um, I can remember my mom, somebody had postpartum and my mother said, oh, they didn't have that when I was having children. Well, yeah, they did. <laughs> it's been around for a long time. But I think, too, even in, the, in my field, in the diagnostic manual, the, the criteria for diagnosing is broader. So it allows more people to be able to be diagnosed. And I think that there's, there's still a huge stigma, but we have come a long way. Um, like with PTSD, that was people that you know came home from a war and were called it shell-shocked. Well, now we know it can be anything from being bullied to witnessing trauma to just being extremely stressed out. The whole word trauma has changed in my field. So I, I do think it's both. We do recognize it more um, and we take it seriously. It's not a sign of weakness. And I think as a as a whole, that's where our society is going. So when we talk about employees or, or individuals, um, we've all known, we've all heard it said before that um, people are the company's most important, most important assets. So we have to protect them, right? This moves on to the topic of employee burnout. I would think that this would be included under the topic of mental health issues. Um, you know, according to the World Health Organization, they state that burnout can rise from unsuccessful management of chronic work-related stress, resulting symptoms such as feeling of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job, or negative feelings of relating to one's job and reduce professional efficiency. My God, that is quite a long kind of um, definition of, of what burnout can arise from. Um, so, Marga, as you were kind of talking about things, we're looking at mental health a little bit differently. Um, do you think that employee burnout is like the first sign of mental health issues in an employee? You know, when people say mental health, then people just start going, oh, like Beth had to say, hey, if you, why do we have a counselor here? Why do we have a social worker here? People try to steer away from it. Um, I certainly think that that burnout and mental health are, are together. Employee burnout certainly can cause mental health issues. It can certainly exacerbate underlying mental health issues. And when employees burn out, all those things, Joanne, that you listed can occur. And, and all of those things that you listed, if you look in a, in a diagnostic manual, are, are symptoms of depression or symptoms of anxiety. So, yes, employee burnout is a, a mental health issue or topic. I would think that employees would rather call it employee burnout than mental health issues, but they are certainly related. And we do see a lot of training and different articles about how to prevent that employee, you know, burnout. And, you know, back when we were recording our first podcast, 
that HR professionals are going to be feeling the impact of this pandemic for years to come. You know, mental health services was at the top of that list. So um, at, there was a 2020 study done by The Standard, and it was um, actually published by Benefit Pros. This study said that mental health issues have increased seven percentage points, and that's a pre-pandemic level of 39% to a 46% in during the pandemic. You know, companies are actually seeing productivity impacted, and that's not positive, you know, by these trends in our employees' mental health. We are um, hearing from our clients and our prospects that um, employee burnout, the mental health, is really kind of ramping up. They're seeing more employees wanting to take a leave of absence, which kudos to them for raising the hand and saying, hey, I need to take a step back. I need to work on myself. Um, but that's not always the case, right? When you have an employee that is that observant. So, Margaret, for those folks that are in HR, what are some things that managers should be doing or looking for when they think that there are some types of these issues bubbling up in their employees? Well, the first thing is that there, there has to be a culture of acceptance where the the manager that says okay if you need help if you're stressed out if you need to take a break i want to support that you know i've done it myself or however you can relate and when you ask you see an employee that maybe is missing more work than they used to or maybe isn't efficient as they used to be you'll know something's going on and you just tap them on the shoulder and say hey or you know maybe on the phone if it's not in person but, you know you say hey i really want to know how you're doing you just, you look kind of down to me. I just want you to know that um, I care about you. And if there's something we need to address, let's do it. And if, when it gets, that's in the beginning. If it gets worse than that, you know, and, and you can re really recognize a serious problem, you can say, hey, you've missed 10 days of work and that's not like you. I know something's going on. I'm concerned about your depression or your mental health or burnout or whatever. So right now, right, depending on where you are located in the U.S., we have individuals that are back at work and we have individuals that are working at home. Um, if you have to reach out to an employee to check on them, say through email, um, is there any, maybe any types of words or something that you should avoid not to give that employee more anxiety? That's a good question because whether it's texting or email, when it's not face-to-face, um, things can sound differently when you don't see somebody's facial expressions or if you're just trying to be quick in an email. So what I would suggest was don't try to be short and quick, but just say, hey, I really care about you. I'm concerned about you. You know, could we FaceTime or um, can we talk on the phone and, instead of just doing an email? I, I want it to be a little more personal. It's it's funny that you say that about um, not necessarily doing an email, but seeing somebody face to face. And um, I did that with with some of the people that I work with, and this is across the United States, not not just in my immediate office. And and so I sent them and a few people an email with the title of you and said, "Hey, I'm just checking in." And this was just randomly from my cell phone. It wasn't you know it they just came to mind and so the person emailed me back and said hey i'd like to talk to you so sure enough we talked on the phone and this is a very important member of my team and she said i really need to change some things for me to be successful at my job and so i listened to her concerns and you know agreed with the her present approach was not working 
and we've formulated a plan to help her in her situation. And she just realized that what she was doing this past you know, few years was not working for her and her family, especially in this pandemic. Now, during the times that we've worked with each other, I have, you know, asked her pointed questions. How can I help you? Are you okay? Because you know, she's got two small kids at home and they're all, you know, bunched up together trying to get some work done. But as we know, not every employee is going to speak up. You know, um, I think our culture is an open culture, but, you know, we've had experiences across our firm that people don't speak up. So, you know, going back to where we had talked about that standard study that was done in 2020, one item reported in this study honestly blows me away. It's shocking to me. Uh, The results say that less employees are are comfortable asking for help or accepting help from in, from their employer, and that's during the pandemic versus before the pandemic. So I would absolutely think that the stat would go the other way. And the reason that I think that is because in the middle of the pandemic, everybody is in, uh, in kind of the same boat because everybody's you know working from home or and the pressure cookers on, etc. So they're not alone in asking or accepting for help, you know, so that's why I'm just shocked by this. So, Mark, why in the world would you think employees right now would be less willing to ask or accept help? You know, on the surface, Beth, it is shocking. You would think, yeah, everybody's in this together. But something important you said, you used the word pressure cooker. You think back a time in, in your lives and when things were just really, really stressful, and you, there was something you needed to do to take care of yourself or to do something, what did you say? You said, okay, when all this is over, then I'm going to get back on track and do my exercise. And our, I did that. All, <laughs> I said, what was you talking about? <laughs> yeah, sorry. When all of this is over, I'm going to get back on my diet. Or when all this is over, well, all of this has been going on for a year and it's not going anywhere. And so, and I think about like a firefighter, when he's running in, he or she, running in to stop the fire, he's not going to say, gosh, you know, I'm really tired of this. I need to take a break. He's going to put out the fire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the position most people are in now. It's like, I have to do this. And I think about, I do a lot of work with healthcare workers. A nurse can't say, I'm not working on the floor today. I'm just burned out. There's nobody else to come in because half the staff's out on quarantine. So I think that's why that people just don't feel like there's a time or a way to take a break to be able to take care of themselves. And that's really how we react in crisis situations when we're in that pressure cooker, Beth. Yeah. And Margaret, what you were saying, the pandemic's been going on almost for a year. And people were probably, hey, at least I know, like, oh, I could work from home for a couple weeks. Okay, maybe for a couple months. And now, like, the seasons are changing and it's like, (laughs) alrighty, I'm still here. Um, so it's helpful, you know, if you need the help to ask for it, um, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it's also being connected to your team members, um, and also to your clients. It's not like you're doing this in a silo. Everyone is going through this and communication, I think just becomes such a key point. Um, I'll tell you, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit to another article that I was looking at. Um, and again, it's from benefit pros, um, this was a little shocking to me that there are 4.5 million few women in the workforce than 12 months ago. Um, we have come such a long way, but this is just kind of setting us back again. Um, it's interesting that the article does go in to state that women have said the problem that it's not their job, it's their mental health. Um, so let's kind of unpack that a little bit at a time. Um, 
especially during COVID, existing gender imbalances have truly increased. And when you think about maybe your home is now your place of employment, your house, you're a restaurant because you're cooking all the meals and you're doing um, homeschooling. So and your entertainment. Don't forget that part too. <laughs> Everything's wrapped up in one place. So I absolutely agree. You know, with with child care, you know, being impacted, women generally have shouldered the load of the work that's been brought on by the pandemic, you know, at their house. So if the woman in the household earns less than their partners, let's think about it. The family could have made a decision essentially for her to for her to quit since you know, this pandemic is what we're calling that pressure cooker environment is is created where moms aren't being good at anything and something's got to give. Now, short term, I absolutely see why this decision would be made. But, you know, long term, that's going to impact retirement savings and, and essentially the overall well-being of this women. So once again, with this stat in this situation, we circle back around to mental health care, working, parenting, trying to stay healthy, all the things that need to get done, you know, at our homes. It, it's, geez, it's overwhelming. You know, one of y'all said, you know, your house is everything now. It's your office, it's your child care, it's your restaurant, it's your entertainment. It is everything. Um, Beth knows this to be true. My dining room table is not a place where I fold my laundry. I mean, I eat at my dining room table. With China and silver. If you have it, why not use it? And the silver Parmesan cheese server for your husband, Beth. That's right. <laughs> I'm but, still shocked that you couldn't distinguish my accent from Beth's accent. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't remember which one of you said it. It wasn't the accent. I couldn't remember. <laughs> I wasn't taking notes. But my dining room table has, I do my sessions, most of them virtually now, and it's full of work and stuff. But then because of HIPAA, I have to fold it all back up and put it away somewhere. And then when I'm ready to go to work again, I have to pull it all out. And it takes twice as long to do this. It is overwhelming. You know, when every day is like Groundhog Day, y'all remember that movie where every day was the same? That's how it's been for almost a year. You know, I can clean up the kitchen later. I can go to the dry cleaners later. And then you just get overwhelmed because it's all piled up and, and later you're still sitting there. My husband went to the doctor and his blood pressure was high. And I really thought he was handling all this well. He's still going to an office and doing all that. And he said, of course, my blood pressure is high. You face death every time you walk out of your house. And I was like, oh, my. And I thought he was had it all together. But, you know, it is it can be really overwhelming when it's been going on this long. So, yeah, we are obviously um, we know there's an increase in mental health issues, such as the employee benefits. We've also talked about women are leaving the workforce in droves. And just to all of our male listeners out there. We also know that it is especially challenging for the men as well as they're helping out or if they're a single dad, they're facing these same issues. Um, you know, we also know that employees are not going to ask for the help. We talked about the culture. Um, we just have this perfect storm happening to employees right now, and it's not good. And hopefully we can see some changes coming down um, over the next year to two years, right? Just because we've been going on for a year doesn't mean we wake up the next morning and it's all been taken care of. Right. And I mean, HR professionals will be will be dealing with the fallout of these issues. And we do think that there are ways that you can help your em employees. And um, Eric Levy, he's an executive vice president at AIG Retirement Services and a plan sponsor article. And the article was really good. 
pretty much stated astute employers now understand that truly taking a holistic approach to the mental, financial, and physical wellness of their employees is important. And that's not just for their workers, but it's for the company's bottom line as well. You know, HR is changing rapidly, as you all well know. And, you know, we hope to see that the HR profession takes a look at what we might call the three-legged stool of mental, physical, and financial wellness for their employees. We think it's going to be necessary so we keep professionals engaged and, you know, more importantly, well in their lives. Yeah, you know, um, the old saying, right, happy wife, happy life. Well, you know, happy employees, happy employer. Um, it's it's going to be important. And as again, as I had stated, um, there's not an overnight cure for everything, but it's being aware and it's being in contact and knowing your employees and developing that good culture. Um, so, Margaret, thank you um, for joining us today. Your knowledge was extremely valuable and I, I'm hopeful to everyone who listened. Um, we do have a way for the listeners to get in contact with us, and that's at BDO Talks of Rissa at BDO.com. Um, you can send us your feedback on this episode, any questions that you may have. Um, I will put Margaret on the spot, but if we do get a question for Margaret, we'll make sure that we forward it over to her. And again, any suggestions that you would like to see us cover in the near future? Joanne, I'd like to comment on something that you said with the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. You know, this, the perfect storm breeds an opportunity for the perfect change. We wouldn't be sitting here talking about mental health issues with employees if we weren't in a crisis where we needed to do it. So that gives your organization an opportunity to say, hey, we recognize here, um, employee burnout. We recognize this. So let's make a culture of change. So the, again, the perfect storm breeds an opportunity for the perfect change and to make things even stronger. Very good point. Yes. Very good point. And we would hope that, you know, HR professionals would push that culture of change out there if their organization right now doesn't have that culture of stand up and say you need help. So everyone, Thank you for joining us today, Margaret. Thank you so much for your insight on this very heavy topic, but very much needed topic uh, to talk about mental health. And listen next month as we will cover what is trending in the HR space. In the meantime, our BDO ERISA Center of Excellence on BDO.com touches on all topics, retirement and other HR trends to keep plan sponsors and HR professionals up to date. Thank you for listening to BDO Talks Arissa. Past episodes are available at bdo.com slash BDO Talks Arissa, or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also send us feedback, questions, or ideas you have for future topics at bdotalksarissa at bdo.com. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit bdo.com slash ERISA.